welcome to the Mind Your Business Show, hosted by Valerie Jackson, the founder of Fierce Focus Strategies. Welcome to the Mind Your Business Show. I'm Valerie, your host, and today we have a very special guest. It is my pleasure to introduce to you my good friend, Kelvin Harris. Kelvin Harris is president and CEO of Kelstar Consulting. Kelstar Consulting is a full service business solution, consulting, wealth strategy, wealth advisory firm. Kelstar specializes in helping struggling small businesses transform their companies into financial assets that consistently builds wealth for them. It sounds interesting. And their families through our business improvement process impact. Kelvin's professionalism, expert knowledge is only matched by his sincere desire to help his clients. So Kelvin, welcome to the Mind Your Business Show. Thank you, Valerie. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, been anxiously awaiting this opportunity and congratulations on your show thank you thank you yes it's long overdue as well as your appearance here so we had to start it off right so of course we were starting it off with you i'm honored i'm honored for sure awesome <laughs> so let's uh let's just jump right in um what people are going to get to know about the mind your business show is the guests or we're going to get to know who they are on a personal level on a business level because this is about being having real conversations with business owners helping us succeed where we have struggled before and just that whole relatability to each other. So, so let's uh, learn a little bit more about the man with the money. <laughs> All right. Well, let's do it. Okay. So let's, let's start there. Um, I've, I've heard the story. I find it really compelling. Tell me how a man with your very impressive background uh, in architecture has ended up here in the financial services industry. What, what happened there? Yeah, well, it is an interesting story. Uh, I think it's, you know, it's just life has a way of uh, directing you places where, you know, you had one plan, but uh, as it turns out, I think um, through the course of some situations, I, I, I found what I feel to be my niche, my calling. Uh, and, I, you know, I, I definitely, um, just know that there was other forces at work that brought me here. So uh, very quickly, I don't want to take up your whole show. Um, we got time. Yeah, my, uh, you know, my, my background, as you mentioned, is in architecture. I graduated from Howard University in 1985 with a degree in architecture. And I, um, you know, went out and work, started working my way up through that corporate ladder, was doing very well, uh, working with some of the top architectural firms in the city. Um, but uh, right around 2010, 2011, with the, the last firm I was with, I ran into some financial issues through no fault of my own. But the end result was that uh, after an 18-month period, I found myself out 
Um, so it's an Wait, interesting thing. A hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, one hundred thousand. Not one hundred. One hundred thousand. One hundred thousand in an eighteen-month yeah. period. Okay. Yeah, I, I, All right. I was my, my bank account was short. One hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, like I said, through and it was a variety of things. One happened to be the company I was with went bankrupt. Uh, I had you know two issues with the irs again both were not any fault of my own i actually had uh, hired my accountant to basically uh work on my behalf with the irs and after a long back and forth they agreed yeah you're mr harris you're correct this is not your fault it was our mistake unfortunately they didn't give me my money back the little thing called statue of limitation so, but, um, so like I said, in a, in an 18 month period, I found myself out a hundred thousand dollars and it was uh, a bit of a shock to the system because you do everything that people tell you, you go to school, work hard, get out, get a degree, get a good job. And, um, you know, I was living what most people would consider the American dream. I had a nice penthouse apartment on down on Pennsylvania Avenue traveling the world, you know, just doing, doing what most people who, you know, have a good income would, would do mm -hmm. um, as a part of just, you know, living your life. But what that taught me in losing that $100,000 in that short period of time was that there was something that I didn't know and it, and the fact that I didn't know it could have been and i say could have been a lot of people might say what do you mean could have been it was catastrophic but i don't see it as catastrophic because it happened at a time where i could learn course correct and get back on course uh if it had happened maybe later in life it would have been catastrophic um but not only do i not consider it catastrophic i actually feel like is one of the best things that ever happened to me because it set me on the course to really one understand how money works in this country put me make a concerted effort to learn how money works and then also and more, maybe more importantly understand how to make it work for me uh, so through that process I just kind of realized that, hey, money, finances, wealth strategies, uh, that was my calling. I was like a fish to water. And uh, I took that direction and haven't looked back since. That's awesome. Okay, so what you're telling me is through some adversity. Yes. You were open-minded. You were looking for a solution to your to the situation that had happened. You hadn't even caused the situation. Mm -hmm. Something happened, knocked you off balance, kind of just cut you off at the knees, and then you were able to find a solution that put you in a better situation than you were in before. Absolutely. That, that's, right. uh, that's a great way to characterize it. I would agree with that wholeheartedly. Um, now, going through the process, I didn't know I was going to come out on this side, but like I said, as things turned out, you know, how they say, looking back, 
it's, you know, I can say, and it, it even sounds funny to me when I say it, but losing $100,000 turned out to be one of the best things that ever happened to me. Yeah, I'm going to have to believe you on that one because that <laughs> does not sound like a good time. Doesn't sound um, like, and it wasn't, but, you know, yes, lessons learned. For sure. Exactly. Exactly. And you know, here's the interesting thing is we find ourselves right now in a time of adversity. Absolutely. So the hope is that someone will hear your story and realize that there is an answer. And a lot of it from our conversations starts with really understanding how money works. So that's, that's a, uh, kind of a statement I've heard you use often. I find myself using it now. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? How money works? Why, why don't we know how money works? Does money work? Well, it, uh, so what does that mean? How does money work? So what I will say is, is this. Unfortunately, we do not, uh, in this country, have a very good financial education, financial literacy, literacy uh, system for, you know, middle school, high school, and those sort of thing. I think there's maybe a handful of states in this country that require financial literacy. So we kind of start at a little bit of a detriment. Then just in terms of our, our country and some of the things we focus on, like, you know, using credit card and, uh, and not being you know more focused on consumption and spending than saving it puts us at a greater disadvantage but what i would say um to kind of give a overall sort of uh takeaway for people who are watching this is simply this my opinion from my fairly, I mean, decently or fairly extensive uh, knowledge and study in the areas of finances. There's literally two systems of finance, one for okay. the educated and one for the uneducated, which is why understanding how money works is so important because now this is your entry into being on the educated side. Um, it's not hard, it's not difficult, it's just that we don't know what we don't know as it relates to money and, and how it works. And if we did know, um, even just some of the basics, it would make dramatic, dramatic changes within our financial foundations. Okay, so let me just get clear on something. So when you said there's two groups of people, some that are educated and how many works and some that aren't. So we are talking about the people who went to college, got maybe a degree in accounting or finance, those are the educated. And then the ones who are not educated in money are the ones who run the other side of the school like I was over in the science building. Is that what you're saying? Uh, unfortunately, I wish it was that easy. That's not what I'm saying because actually, and you know, I've, I've had the benefit of of teaching financial literacy at some of the top universities, not only in the world, but in this country, for places like Columbia University and others. Um, and what I can tell you is that 
these kind of basic concepts and principles around finance, not, not to mention the more advanced ones, are not taught at any level of our education. Um, the educated are those who either through their family or others, they're, they're the one or 2%, the wealthiest one or 2% in this country who actually know how money works. And that information is generally passed down um, so that they know and their kids know and then their grandkids know. But uh, yeah, I mean, I spoke to people who are CPAs, accountants, economy majors, on and on and on, engineers, doctors, lawyers, attorneys, and the general census or the, the, the general overall uh, consensus that I see is that most people, again, through no fault of our own, uh, don't truly know how money works. And like myself are extremely shocked, surprised, dismayed, whatever you want to say it, when I teach them and they see how actually easy and simple it is conceptually to understand these basic concepts and principles that you know can benefit them immensely um I, one of the things I, I talk to people about a lot when i do my different workshops is that 90 percent of what i talk to people about could be taught in the eighth grade it's not above eighth grade level but the impact can literally three four five x you know, whatever your portfolio retirement uh, accumulation accounts would have been just by implementing these very simple concepts and principles. So I find that interesting because uh, I have certainly learned from your esteemed tutelage, sir, that uh, there are some very basic principles that I didn't know. I would have thought it was just a function of the math. Mm -hmm. And being a math problem, it's a person, I figure, if you know how to do math, you know how to figure money. It's adding, subtracting, dividing, or percentages here and there. But it's so much more about than that. So you spoke about impact. And one of the things that I learned very quickly with working with you and about Kelstar Consulting is it's based on a model of an acronym called IMPACT. Tell me a little more about what that means and why a business owner should even be concerned with that. Absolutely, absolutely. So um, again, as I was building my practice and I was learning all these very important concept, principles, strategies, uh, wealth formulas, things like that, I wanted a, a easy, simple way to kind of convey to a business owner, what their focus should be and kind of give them a roadmap of things that they need to focus on from a business finance perspective. So it's more of a business finance improvement process or just a business finance process, just to let people know, um, you know, here's where you start, but here are all, here, here are all the things you need to check off the list to make sure you're, you, you know, you have uh, a business that's financially healthy and doing well. 
because uh, too often we focus on, you know, a few things and we don't really see the big picture. So I came up with the acronym IMPACT to help people understand it. IMPACT, I-M-P-A-C-T. So the I, increase revenue. Most businesses okay. understand that, you know, um, I need to make money or I need to make more money. So obviously that's the first. And you want to, you know, that's really the purpose of business. The business is to generate revenue. Mm-hmm. If not, that means you're just in philanthropy if you're not actually making money. Um, but a lot of people just stop there. And that is kind of where we make the mistake because the next, the M, is you want to minimize taxes and expenses. Um, there, one of the things I tell my business clients is that there's only two ways really to increase revenue. One, make more money. Two, uh, reduce your expenses of which taxes one of the top ones that any business has or both. So, and ideally you want to do, but I want to make more money and I want to reduce my expenses. But in reduce, M is actually for most businesses easier to do than increase revenue because you can generally put in a few simple strategies and uh, cut out a lot uh, or minimize your taxes or cut out a lot of expenses and all that money just drops immediately to your bottom line without getting one new client. And that's year over year over year. So wait a minute, wait a minute. Taxes though are just based on your revenue. They're kind of a given, right? I mean, you can do something about that number. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, taxes are, that. that's why there are things called tax strategies. Generally speaking, you know, you have uh, tax accountants and others, but for the most part, they don't really get in the weeds in terms of coming up with the actual strategy. Um, so there are things that you can do to offset, mitigate, defer your taxes so that more money, more of the money you make, you get to keep more of the money you make in your business and put it back into your business to grow your business. Um, So that's where that key component comes in. If I can, you know, a lot of businesses, you know, just round numbers, um, you might be at a 39% tax rate. Um, if I can cut that in half and go down to 20, 20, that's what well, that's 20% year over year, an additional 20% in revenue that I have, if I can put that to work, now that money is 20% per year compounding year over year. So in 15, 20 years, that's a big difference. So, you know, you definitely want to, you know, save as much as you can from what you make and then put that money to work. Okay. So okay. So we, we're going to save some money on taxes mm-hmm. and uh, we're going to talk to you to figure out how to do that. These are some of these strategies, All right? Yep. So we're going to make more money. Yeah. We're, we're, we're going to in, increase revenue. We're going to increase, minimize our increase expenses. revenue. M minimize taxes. P properly protect your business. A, accumulate assets. C, create a succession plan or exit strategy. And T, transfer assets to a perpetual 
income vehicle. Now that's the one that generally stumps people, but what that really just means is after you've done all these other things and you sell your business or you're retired and you have all this revenue, uh, you don't want to be in a position where you have to unretire. So your money needs to continue working for you while you're not working because too often people uh, miscalculate and realize that, hey, I may have to unretire because uh, this nest egg that I thought was going to last me 20, 30 years is, you know, I'm five years into it and it's, it's not looking too good. So again, from a strategic standpoint, if you can, uh, if you understand what perpetual income vehicles are, and then you can uh, leverage it to your advantage. Now, while you're not working, your money is consistently working for you so that you have the option to not have to work. So what you're saying is small business owners have a real option to run a business successfully, create an asset from that business, and then create a retirement income plan vehicle from the assets that that business has created and actually be able to enjoy some time not working after running their businesses. Absolutely. And, and it's a conversation I have a lot with businesses because what I talk to them about is why did you start the business in the first place? What was your objective? Well, what, if you had a crystal ball, what would you like? And generally, most people started business to, you know, maybe they hit that glass ceiling at work or what have you, but they generally start a business so that they can go to another level financially but also they want to have a different lifestyle. Reality is they get into the business and the business consumes their life. Absolutely. So they sound like they're working for the business and the business not working for them. What I help them do is keep your eye on that prize. Your business is an asset like any other investment. You know, if your 401k or your IRA or your, money market wasn't working for you, you would try to figure out a way to have that happen because the reason you got it was for it to work for you and not the other way around. So I like to have people think of their business as an asset. A lot of times, you know, and it's, it's normal. We think of it more like a child. This is my baby. You know, I birthed this business. I have to coddle it. And when you get that level of emotion, you make emotional decisions, which as you know, and probably most people listening to us, is a recipe for disaster when it comes to business. So look at your business as an asset, evaluate it in that way, go into it knowing this, I need a return on investment. But with the business, my investment is literally blood, sweat, tears, hours. Um, it's not just money. Time away from my family, all these sort of things. 
different sacrifices that I that I make, maybe not paying myself for months and months and months. So all that investment that you made, you need to return on it. And that's how you need to look at your business and make sure you set it up so that you can get that return that you deserve for all the hard work you put into it. So that's uh, probably relatively new concept for a lot of people. Yes, um, it is. Yeah. Yeah, it is. As, yeah. As you know, I have, uh, other than my background in real estate as well, but, but in that industry, um, what I observed is that people got into that business, they made great money, and when they decided to leave the business, quote unquote, retire, what they had in assets of that business were the key boxes that they had purchased mm. that they were going to resell to some other agent at a discounted price and maybe some signs that could be uh, repainted. And even though they called it a book of business, not really because they hadn't set up their business with a plan for how they were going to leave the business. So what you're telling me is with this impact in place, we can not only create assets, we're gonna have, we're gonna be able to protect our business, we're gonna minimize our expenses, and we're going to have a, su a succession plan as well Absolutely. as to how to leave it and then transfer that to a vehicle that will take care of us perpetually and our families. I think that that's something, yeah, I think that's something that we should have signed up for a long time ago. So I like that. Yeah. And, and it's interesting because again, this impact, obviously I drew from my different experiences. And I remember years ago reading a book that some of your, um, some of the folks who are watching this uh, podcast may know, have heard is the seven habits of highly effective people. Yes. And the first chapter talks about begin with the end in mind. So it's stuff that we know, we just forget about it, don't apply it, don't know where to apply it. So what I let my business owners know is when you start the business is when you need to think about how you're going to exit the business. Because that has everything to do with how you run, manage, structure the business. If I start a bit IT company and I'm looking to, I want to sell off this company in three years to uh, Facebook or to Microsoft, that's a very different business than if I start a business that I want, you know, my great, great grandchildren to inherit like a Johnson and Johnson or something like that. Mm -hmm. Two different kinds of businesses, nothing wrong with either one. But going into it, I need to know, I want to sell this three, three to five years, I want to sell this business for umpteen million, billion dollars. Because now every decision I make will be consistent with that exit strategy. Um, unfortunately, I've met so many business owners who get to the end, they don't begin with the end in mind, they end with the end in mind. Ooh. And now they are like, hey, I want to sell my business. But 
all of the decisions you made up to this point weren't decisions, decisions consistent with someone who wants to sell their business at this time. So it makes it much more difficult and some of them are not able to do it because their business is not attractive to the buyer because you didn't make it attractive. Right. Yes, I've experienced that a lot with some of my clients um, that have not properly prepared. So we have to get them in, in the practice of having procedures and principles and processes in place so that they do have a, va a viable and valuable asset to sell at the end or transfer however they're going to transfer it. So that's a really good point. So just like real estate, everybody knows a real estate agent, right? There's mm -hmm. tons of them out there. Financial services industry is a bit the same. You can go to a networking function. There's going to be, you know, in a room of 20 people, three of them are going to be financial advisors. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I've experienced that. Yeah, the yes. two, the two uh, categories of two industries that you see the most in that whole marketing networking is real estate agents and financial services people. Absolutely. Yes. And coming right up behind that is coaches. Let me tell you. Oh, <laughs> yeah. They're, I think they're gaining ground, actually. They are gaining ground. But here's what I, I would want you to explain to us and, and, and help us understand. There's a difference with Kelstar. So I have had the privilege of working with what I consider people who run businesses that are heart-centered. So there's a passion in what they do. There's a reason why they're in their business and they conduct themselves and their businesses differently than the norm or what you normally see. So tell us a little bit about the heart of Kelstar and, and, and how you're different from the traditional uh, financial advisory firm that people are gonna run into. Okay, well, that's, that's a great question. So I, I think the heart of Kelstar, it guess it comes back from my, you know, the, the beginnings of the company and just my experience. I didn't go to school for a degree in finance. I was a business. I like to say when I was, you know, be, before the $100,000 and all of that, I would have been my ideal client because I was, I was a struggling business trying to figure it out. Um, and you know, it wasn't, it wasn't easy. There just wasn't a lot of information. So where the heart of Kelstar is, I come at it having run multiple businesses. So a lot of times when I sit down with the client, I understand in no uncertain terms, what you're going through, because I'm sure I've gone through something similar. I lived it. I experienced it. Uh, and I was able to come out the other side, gain the knowledge that was, is necessary to resolve whatever those problems are, um, understand the concepts and principles needed to uh, basically navigate those treacherous waters. And now I'm basically taking all that experience, coming back and giving it back from a business-centric perspective, meaning I feel your pain, I understand what you're going through, 
I was there and I wish there was someone like me helping me when I was going through your situation. So you're fortunate because I'm here to help you. Yeah, that, that is fortunate, Kelvin. Um, I know all of us resonate with, with what you're saying. And, and it's, there, there's this uh, guilt, there's a shame in, in not failing in business, but just not knowing what to do. We, we wear all the hats and we're expected to be able to know how to navigate this ship through treacherous waters. And we often just don't ask for help. So being able to come to someone like you that's going to sit with no judgment and say, truly, I've been where you are. I understand what you're going through. And I know the exit is over here is a big difference than uh, dealing with someone who maybe has had that path laid out for them mm -hmm. and they don't understand where the concerns are. So that's, that's a huge value to the people that I serve, the people that you serve, and the people that are going to be listening to, to, to this interview. So thank you for showing up in that way and being so genuine about who you are and, and how you do things and, and, and your everything that I have experienced you to be is, is heart-centered and passionate about the people you serve. So, so definitely a pleasure. Absolutely. And, and one part I would add to that, which I think is also a part of that core, when you talk about me and being heart-centered, is the education. I, I realize that I really just love get, gaining knowledge and then providing that because at the end of the day, if I can help the business owner truly understand or get educated about, you know, uh, the different aspects, how money works, different strategies. Now we can work more as partners as in terms of how to make your business much more successful. It's not me, I'm, I'm less of an advisor. You know, I tell people a lot of times, which is strange, is like, at, at, I want you to be able to not want me uh, or, or not need me, but just want me around. It's like, because yeah. <laughs> I'm going to tell you or teach you what I know. But you're like, well, come on. Yeah, Calvin, I know this, but I just like having you around to kind of help me through. Uh, because what, that's the most important thing. It's not important what I know. It's important what you know, because it's your business. Um, so now because you make decisions on a daily basis that impact your business in un ways that you that can't even be counted. So I can't necessarily be on your shoulder 24 hours a day, which means now I need to educate you on those basic concepts, principles, strategies, uh, solutions. Uh, obviously, I'm here as a resource, but once you kind of get that understanding from a financial perspective of, of, you know, generally speaking, what we should, what I should do, what I should steer away from. And maybe I'll call Kelvin to get some details or have him look up a certain sort of solution and, you know, give me some numbers or things like that. But I, I liken it to an orchestra. You are the conductor, you know, maybe you didn't write the music, but you, you understand where, who's supposed to come in at what point, what the cadence is, 
you can't run around and play every instrument, but you certainly can drive what's happening. And, uh, and that, but that only happens with, with the education. So um, that's, a, that's a key part of it as well. Absolutely, that is important. W one last point I'd, I'd like to uh, discuss quickly as our, as our time. I don't know where the time went. My goodness, it's <laughs> fast. Goes it goes fast. So you, you talked about the education um, and, and really setting a person up, as I've heard you say, to be their own money manager. Mm -hmm. and, and then there are the people that are still going to want you around, as you say, um, because we do want to be able to, to check in with you and, and, and see, am I going the right way? Is the, this the right path? Mm -hmm. We've talked before about, you and I, in, in other conversations, about having a strategic partner. Yes. And, and, and this is the way I look at this relationship with, as you, as you said, being a partner. Strategic partnerships are so important because as we are operating in our zone of, of genius, mm -hmm. we need someone else to do that for us in the other areas that we need covered. And Absolutely. definitely you've got that area covered. How do you see strategic partnerships working for business owners and, and benefiting them in a way that's going to help increase their bottom line and give them more time to work at what they do best. Strategic partnerships is so important because, um, I mean, and I could probably go for 45 minutes on this alone, but I'll try not to, because it actually gives you that level of, of, of credibility when you can actually execute and perform. And, and what a lot of people don't realize, it's almost impossible to do that when you're, you know, what they used to call chief cook and bottle washer. You can't be all things to all people. People don't even believe it if you try. Uh, if you would try to, hey, I do this, but then I do that, and I do this, they're like, well, you can't possibly do all of that well. So I think people intuitively know that. So with strategic partners, again, what that allows you to do to show up with the, with all your bases covered with the best, uh, you know, you know, assuming you're working with someone who's at your caliber, which of course that's who you seek out in these different areas. So for example, when I talk to folks about my impact process, increased revenue, the increased revenue part is not necessarily something I do. I just understand from a, a workflow, a business flow, that's where you start. But I have strategic partners who are um, business coaches, who are uh, social media marketing experts, uh, where we can sit down and, and figure out where can we find a place where we can increase your revenue um, so that we can go on to you know this next the next section which is minimize your tax and expenses which might be the area that i'm more i, I have a more input in um, but you, you you can't totally ignore the first one and just go to to the second so strategic partners are, are very important because the other thing i talk to people about as it relates to strategic partners. And it's also a way for you to build your business. When you're working with uh, a group of 
sharp professionals that you uh, categorize as your strategic partners, you now become a resource to your client. It's less about you and it is more about them. Uh, that scenario plays out in that they now start to come to you for things that you may not be necessarily your core competency, but it keeps the client close to you. Uh, I won't say dependent on you, but you build that relationship. So if I can help my client with uh, a, a problem that they have that may not be necessarily my area of expertise, um, then, and then through my strategic partner, and my strategic partner comes in and does a great job, it does a couple things. One, it endears me to my strategic partner because I brought them business. And now the law of reciprocity starts to kick in because they almost feel obligated to bring me business as well. It endears me to my client because now I was able to help them with a problem that they probably didn't, is, is not necessarily in the category of my expertise, but again, now they look at Kelstar as more as a resource. Well, hey, well, you know, I, I can talk to Kelvin about any problem that I have. Um, so it's great to be able to go to one source and get as many solutions as possible without having to go all around town finding these different solutions. So it's like I, I, I become the clearinghouse. I've done the vetting and now they, rely on me even more so that when something comes up that is kind of in my wheelhouse, obviously I'm top of mind. So uh, it's, it's, a, it's a very good business practice. You know, you'll find yourself getting uh, more business because your client is so ecstatic that you're able to be a problem solver they're going to give you business and then they'll actually refer you business because most business owners know other business owners. So uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's literally, you know, I tell people that Kelstar, our business model is built around the concept of the law of reciprocity. Let me help you with whatever you need. And eventually we'll get around to something that I, specifically do or my specific area of expertise. But let me focus on helping the client, solving the client's problem first and foremost. Absolutely. That principle about give first mm -hmm. and then ask always brings back great returns when it's done genuinely. So that's that's a, a wonderful way to model your company. That's a great standard to adhere to. And being in, an, in a high trust business like you are, I believe it's just absolutely vital absolutely. to being able to have a sustainable business. So no surprise, um, we have come to the end of our time. And, wow. uh, and probably- Already? Yeah, I know, right? And probably even gone a bit over as always. It's mm -hmm. an amazing conversation with you. It's been an honor to have you as my first guest on the Mind Your Business show. There's no one else who, who could have sat in that seat beside you. 
And uh, I just thank you again for taking the time and sharing a bit about you and Kelstar and, and, and how you can help business owners uh, figure this out, especially in, in such a difficult time as we're having right now, in particular Absolutely. now. Absolutely. So, uh, I know there are going to be people that want to connect with you. I'm going to definitely share your contact information. But for the time being, what is the preferred way to find you? Well, you can reach me on my website, www.kelstarconsulting.com, all one word. Uh, my email is kelvin.harris at kelstarconsulting.com. Um, and you can reach me on my uh, cell, my direct number, which is 202-460-7031. So those are all great ways to reach me. Um, feel free anytime. I don't sleep a lot, as some people know. Uh, so uh, yeah, always looking to be a, uh, a help, a, serve, a service, a solution, a resource for, you know, struggling businesses and helping them uh, get the solutions that they need. That's awesome. Kelvin, thank you so much. Thank you everyone for being a part of the show. Thank you for, for allowing us to share the message and just uh, providing a holistic solution for business owners, because as you know, if it's about your business, it's always personal. Thank you. And we'll see you at the next episode of the Mind Your Business Show.